Hello, I'm Michael D.J. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned taking advantage of technology in the legal work and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. The podcast will try to stay focused, asking each guest three questions and asking the guest to provide their top three best answers for each question asked. There is no right or wrong answer as each tip may or may not be the right one for you, but it may springboard an idea for you and along the way, you may learn something new. My next guest is David Lowe. David is a partner at the San Francisco-based law firm, Rudy, Exelrod, Zeef, and Lowe. He litigates individual and class action employment matters on behalf of employees. He's also a neutral mediator with a highly successful record of assisting parties to resolve their disputes. I came across David in a recent AB article about Zoom trials and thought he would be a great guest on the podcast. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, So tell us, David, what is your current tech setup? So right now, um, my usual tech setup in my office is a Dell laptop. Um, I have it as a, I have it on a docking station with a keyboard monitor. Um, uh, and then I also use an iPad pretty regularly next to it to kind of supplement the laptop. So you're using two different operating systems. That's right. Is that, uh, are you finding one better over the other or sort of a marriage of the two? Yeah. So I find that the robust word processing and, and, um, uh, other capabilities of the laptop, the, the wired internet that I mm-hmm. use with my laptop um, is easier for most work applications. Okay. I like it, but I also like having my iPad handy to quickly reference email um, and uh, have quick access to, to web, um, like di- you know, different websites and, and applications uh, that I may use separate from my desktop environment. So if I ask, um, and mind you, we're, we're OS agnostic, whether you use Windows, whether you use Macs, but why not have either a Windows uh, laptop and a Windows tablet or a Mac uh, laptop and a Mac tablet? Sure. So first of all, I'm probably one of the least tech savvy people you've had on your show. <laughs> um, so much of what I know and, and have um, used as tech is, is what has been given to me. But um, I will say this, uh, I do find that the, the Windows environment is really, is really useful for, for the type of work that we do, and I like using it, and it's what our firm has always used. Okay. At the same time, um, I'm completely enamored with uh, Apple's products, um, okay. iPhone and, and iPad, I just think yeah. are, are incredible pieces of technology, and they, they, uh, they have a place in my heart. Um, and so I, you know, I, I am uh, ambidextrous. So I also noticed you have a standing desk, at least from the picture from the ABA uh, uh, article that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you find to be the advantages of that? So the, the two main advantages um, are first, uh, I definitely enjoy standing up and working from time to time. I, mm-hmm. I sometimes feel that I think more clearly on my feet. Okay. Um, and I, I just, even when I'm standing in one place, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of physical uh, feedback uh, uh-huh. and I, as opposed to just sitting in a chair. Um, so I, I like that aspect very much. 
Um, and, it, and so I often use my standing desk at home um, too. But the other reason was when we were getting ready to do a Zoom trial, mm -hmm. it did not feel natural to me to be sitting down doing cross-examinations and opening statement and things like that. I felt more professional when, we, when I was addressing the judge to be able to stand up like I would be in court. It sort of enhanced the, the feeling of being in a virtual courtroom to be standing up when I was addressing the court and examining witnesses. And that was the main reason I actually transitioned to the standing desk. Um, and then I, I grew to like the other aspects of it. But initially it was to more recreate the, the courtroom experience. Excellent, excellent, that's good to know. Um, so let's get into our questions. And the first being, what are three lessons learned about remote hearings that every attorney needs to learn before they do a remote hearing? Yeah, absolutely. So the first is, uh, the first lesson is to plan. There's so many things to think about that require advanced planning um, beyond what you would need to be thinking about during a live hearing. So for example, how are you gonna present your document exhibits? Um, you can't just pick them up off the table, pass them to the bailiff, pass them to the jury you need to figure out how are you going to take these documents and present them to the various people who need to see them, opposing counsel, the judge, if we have jurors, the jury, and the witness. And so thinking about that in advance, I mean, if you have a, a tech-savvy witness, you may be able to just Dropbox the exhibits in advance and they can open it on their system. Um, you may be able to uh, share your screen and that will be sufficient. But particularly for witnesses who are not tech savvy, they may really need to have the hard copies. Mm -hmm. um, and so, or the judge may want hard copies. The judge may not be comfortable um, viewing documents on his or her screen. They may not have dual monitors. Um, it may be distracting for the judge to do that. So, so if you want the witness or the judge to have the hard copies in hand, you got to think about how you're going to get them to that person in advance. You might have to FedEx them. You may not have the witnesses or the judge's address. So getting all of that squared away um, is really important. But even if you provide documents in advance, you may have an impeachment document that you want to use. Mm -hmm. You may think of something after you've sent the documents over or, or Dropbox them. So also having a plan for how do you show an impeachment document and being, you know, making sure that it's loaded if you're going to use Zoom, for example, we can talk about this in a little bit. Um, there are features that allow you to show documents via Zoom, but if they're not, if the document isn't accessible, if it's not on your desktop or easily retrievable, um, it, it, you're not going to be able to use it. And even if it is somewhere buried in your computer, the um, distraction and disruption as you go hunting for it is really um, counterproductive and not helpful to your presentation. So it's not, it's not only important to be able to show documents, um, but to be able to do so as seamlessly as possible. Uh, and that, that is going to take planning. Um, and, and also just planning to have the right equipment. I mean, you know, does your laptop have a camera? How, how are you going to display, how, how are you going to, to participate in the Zoom call? Um, and not only you, but your clients, so, uh, or the witness. So the first deposition that we did by Zoom, nobody thought to check with the witness to see if that witness had Zoom. And so we, we, we planned for this whole video deposition and the witness didn't have, uh, didn't have access uh, and ended up doing, you know, just using his cell phone. 
Um, and then we wanted to videotape it and nobody had planned how we're going to videotape this guy on his cell phone. So the videographer ended up, you know, standing over my shoulder and video having his video camera like trained on a screen that didn't show anything. So it was very, you know, it was a, it was a, a real life example of, of lack of planning. Um, that, you know, we've learned uh, we can't afford. So, so planning to have the right equipment, planning to have the right um, technology, uh, and thinking through how are you going to do the things that we take for granted in a live hearing when none of us are, are participating in person. So that's the first lesson is planning. The second is, is practice. You, you, you can do all the planning in the world, but you don't want to have the first time that you uh, use the technology or that your client uses the technology to be in the presence of the judge or the arbitrator. You want to have practiced with the technology ahead of time because there are inevitable, as, as all of us know who use technology, there are inevitably glitches. Um, things happen. Um, and so, for example, uh, I was saying before we started this call, my laptop died uh, yesterday. Um, so, you know, I haven't used this particular laptop before. This is an older model. I didn't know how the camera was going to be. Uh, so, I you know, got online a few minutes early just to make sure that the microphone worked and that the, the right. camera worked. Um, but, but uh, you know, knowing ahead of time um, whether your laptop camera is adequate or whether you need an external camera um, or, you know, if your microphone is, is capturing um, the, the, your voice loudly enough for a court reporter to hear, all right. are all things that need to be practiced ahead of time because when you're in the moment you don't have the opportunity to um, to necessarily test things out so uh, we do when, when we're getting ready for a hearing um, we do at least two or three practice runs with the technology okay where we will have um, somebody set up to be to play the role of opposing counsel somebody set up to play the role of the witness uh, somebody running the technology for us, um, and then the, the attorney who's either conducting the examination or making the arguments, and we will do a dry run, and we'll practice the cross-examination with, you know, including showing documents on the screen to see where things aren't going smoothly. And inevitably, there are some things that are not going smoothly. But just as importantly, you know, it's, it's just as important for the, um, the witness or the client to practice as it is for the attorneys. Mm -hmm. uh, because you learn that the client learns how to use the technology better and watching the client on the screen, we learn what the client should be doing better because this is a, a different, it is a different uh, image when you're using a visual media as opposed to being in person, people look different on video. They come across differently. So making right. adjustments for that is very important. And if you wait until the hearing to, to practice with your client, you're not, Going to have the ability to remind that person okay don't look at me on the screen because your eyes are going to seem you know diverted you need to make sure you're looking at the camera at all times right. you know look at the camera don't look at the person on the screen i mean when you and i are doing this it's different but if if, if you're being cross-examined in a hearing you need to have eye contact um, and, and the only way you're going to have eye contact is looking at the camera making sure that your client understands and that your colleagues understand and that you understand what to wear is important. You know, I may have like a favorite tie that I love to wear in front of juries. If that tie is strobing on video, right. 
I need to know that in advance. Okay. So I'm going to actually test out and practice using the clothes I'm going to wear at the hearing so that I know that there's nothing wrong that the video is picking up with how I look. And same with my client. My client might have, you know, lucky earrings, um, but if they're very distracting, uh, same thing we'd be thinking about in front of a jury, but how you look in front of a jury may be different than how you look on, on, a, on a monitor. So all of those things are critically important as well as the background. Right. You and I have our work backgrounds, uh, but you know, the federal courts have requirements, or at least the, the federal court that we were getting ready to do a Zoom trial had, had specific rules about what your, your Zoom background could be. Um, and, you know, if you don't practice using the Zoom background and you try to do it for the first time at the hearing and your, your system or your, your internet connection is not strong enough, you will fade into your Zoom background. I've, you know, many of us who have been on Zoom calls might have seen somebody who's using right. a virtual background and then they just kind of disappear into it because they're, they're, the, the way the technology is interacting with the, um, the Zoom technology is just not it's just not functional. And so if you don't practice that ahead of time, you can get into a lot of trouble. And then the third, the third lesson is um, to always, you know, plan, practice, and then have a plan B because it's not, no matter how much you practice and no matter how much you plan, right. things are going to go wrong. So um, I, when we were doing an arbitration recently, um, uh, one of my, you know, one of my colleagues got me this really great um, microphone. Okay. That's a, that's a blue uh, yeah. snowball? Yeah, it's a snowball. Um, you know, really good piece of technology. People, people swear by it. Right. Um, and uh, so I was, I was, I had it plugged in and ready to use. For some reason, after about 10 minutes, it started creating like terrible feedback. And there was oh, nothing we could do to fix it, to fix it. So my plan B was, in that case, just to unplug it. Yeah. Because I knew that my microphone on my laptop was adequate. Right. Um, and then same thing, I have a camera built into my laptop, but I had a backup camera ready to right. go um, if, if there were any issues. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in every case, we, we have backup plans to backup plans. Our clients have a phone number that they can call to dial in if they lose their internet. Um, and so, so really those are the, the three lessons that we've learned from, from making, you know, making plans and not having them go the way we expect is to practice and have a plan B. So, you know, with all due respect, you know, I'm looking over the list as I'm taking notes and it sounds like, you know, planning practice and plan B are typical, whether you're doing uh, by virtual um, or video, or if you're doing it in person, these are the three things you still have to be prepared for at, at trial, regardless. Um, so, so let's move on to uh, question number two. Uh, what are three computer applications that attorneys are underutilizing for remote hearings, conferences, meetings, et cetera? So I've already confessed to not being uh, your most tech savvy guest, but I, I have had a lot of experience now using the, the predominant forms of um, technology that, that I think most lawyers are using. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't, to, based on what I've been seeing, it's not so much that there are apps that are being underutilized, although that may be happening. What I have been seeing is that lawyers are underutilizing the features of the applications that are most commonly being deployed. Okay. So, so for example, I think Zoom is, a, is, an, excellent, um, is an excellent platform, uh, it's become ubiquitous for court proceedings. Um, 
even the court reporter services are using Zoom, but they are layering on their own kind of systems on top, um, which improve on, on the Zoom interface, I think, uh, and provide more optionality for how you share documents, for example. But in terms of underutilization, so um, most of the attorneys that I know, when they want to show a document to a witness mm -hmm. on Zoom, they use the share screen feature. Okay. Which is fine. Um, it takes a minute sometimes to, you, know, you got to go to your desktop and then you got to pull it up and, you know, press share screen. It's not seamless, but it's, it's doable. Um, but then uh, unless you give control of the screen to the witness, you know, you have to scroll through it at, at, right. at whatever pace you're anticipating the witness might need. It's a little bit awkward. You could just as easily send the document to the witness using the chat feature on, on Zoom. The, if, if you're, it does not work on a tablet, to my, in my experience, it doesn't work on a tablet, but if you're using a laptop, um, Zoom, when you, when you open a chat box, you can attach a file and you can send it privately okay. or you can send it to everyone. If you're right. in a court proceeding, you obviously have to send it to everyone. But that allows that person to instantaneously, allows everybody on the, on the Zoom call to instantaneously open that document and save it to their own system. And then they can review it on a separate monitor or on, this, on, on, on part of the real estate uh, that they have up on their screen um, and to continue the call while they're looking at the document at their own pace, which is much more typical of how we use exhibits and depositions when we're, we're all doing it in person. So just understanding the features, um, similarly using breakout rooms in Zoom okay. to meet with clients um, separate from the main arbitration room um, is, is a really helpful feature. It's good for mediations, it's good for depositions, and it's good for, for uh, court and, and arbitration hearings. Um, so just knowing the, the, all the features that, that exist and the functionality of the apps, um, I, think we, I think a lot of lawyers still have a long way to go. Um, using Dropbox, uh, making better use of Dropbox to share exhibits on the day of the hearing or you know, if you don't want the witness to have them ahead of time. Um, or uh, because it's very easy to, to, to share a link and then supplement the exhibits that right, are in right. there. Um, and then, I don't, again, I don't know if it's underutilized, but, but, but when we were doing live hearings, live hearings and trials, case presentation software like OnQ or Trial Director were viewed as optional. You know, you didn't have to have an app um, to present exhibits. You didn't have to um, necessarily, uh, you know, have some, some, some program that would allow you to present video clips of, of deposition testimony or, or graphics or documents. Um, but they were nice to have. It was, it was it, it, you know, I think a lot of lawyers made good use of them, but they are so much more useful when everything is being done during video, with, with video. Uh, I really think that that it's important that we use the, that technology, and not only that, but we take the time to learn how they're going to interact with this environment. Because if you're just in the courtroom, and you're you've got OnCue or Trial Director or Sanction, one of these programs running, it's fairly straightforward. You run the program, you put the thing up on the screen, you take it down. But when you're running it together with Zoom, Zoom has to interact. Right. file presentation software and that can get more complicated how you use the, the trial presentation software to display a document 
in the Zoom environment is a little bit more complicated and difficult. Um, so those are kind of the three things that I think, again, it's not so much underutilizing the apps, it's, it's making sure we understand all their functionalities. So let me ask you a couple of questions about Zoom. Um, number one, if you don't want me asking, do you have a paid or free account? So I, I have a paid account um, and, I, and then my staff have uh, free accounts. So why do you, why do you have a paid account? Um, the main reason is because in my understanding, um, if I want to have a call more than 45 minutes, um, if I want to host a call more than 45 minutes, I believe that requires a pro account. Right. If you're going to have more than two people. Yeah. And so many of my, you know, if we're going to do it, if I'm going to host a, 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 a trial prep session, right, right. Business, it's going to be more than 45 minutes. Um, and, uh, you know, and I host a lot of Zoom calls and just having the features that you get with the pro account is, it's not a, it's not a significant cost. It's worthwhile. Okay, excellent. Um, oh, the other question I had about Zoom is you were talking about that you had to record uh, a witness or your client for, it was either a deposition for, for the hearing. And I was wondering, how come you didn't use the record function on Zoom? Yeah, so as I said, this was the very first one I ever did by Zoom. Okay. This, this was pre-COVID, this was okay. gotcha. a long time ago. I didn't know. I, you know. I'm not totally sure whether or not there was a record feature at that time. Right. There may well have been, and I just didn't know about right, it. Right. So I had this core reporter, you know, videotaping right. my, my monitor, which is disastrous in the best of circumstances. Um, but, you know, with the witness being on a cell phone instead of a Zoom call, it made it ridiculous. Well, you know, as, as we're all trying to live and learn, and hopefully, you know, from your experience, you'll help others as they're getting ready for trial. There's, uh, one, more, there's one more I can share with that. Sure, so, please. You know, when when we did start to transition more to doing most of our depositions by Zoom, uh, I was excited to use that record feature, and I thought, you know, I don't need to use a videographer. Um, I'll just hit the record button, and I, you know, I'll record it myself. Um, and you know, it was a, a relatively important witness, and and uh, an older guy, and I, I guess I was taking a risk that if it didn't work right, I wouldn't have his his testimony preserved on video for trial, but. Um, what I didn't realize is that, you know, when the videographer does it, they can sync the transcript with the video. Right. And Zoom doesn't have that capability uh, built okay. in. The video, the, the, the court reporters can do it after the fact, but it's, okay. very, it's very expensive. Oh. It would have been, you know, it would have been easier just to have the videographer kind oh, of wow. do his own video because, as I mentioned, a lot of the court reporter services have their own kind of system on yep. top of Zoom. So uh, having being able to record it is a great feature, but there are limitations and you have to remember, I mean, there are rules if you're gonna video a deposition, there's certain things you have to remember to say that the you know, videographers are trained to do. So right, right. keep that in mind, yeah. Interesting, that's really interesting to know. Um, so let's move on to our third question. What are three applications, pieces of hardware that attorneys should keep an eye out for in the future? And, you know, as we're dealing with this, this COVID environment, obviously, you know, the work from home, uh, the virtual hearings are gonna become, I think, more of a mainstay. And I think a lot of businesses and along with the courts are gonna realize that there's a, a great economic savings in, you know, people saving time from people having to go down to the court or to the office or to wherever, uh, that there's gonna be an economic shift in the way we work. And I think we're going to find ourselves working more from home. So what pieces of whether it be software or hardware 
do you think we should be keeping an eye out in the future? Yeah, so uh, we took the opportunity while everyone was out of the office to install a Zoom room in one of our conference rooms. So we took down the nice piece of art that we had hanging up there and put <laughs> up a 70 inch monitor, which oh, isn't, wow. isn't as pretty to look at, but um, but it's very, very functional. And, and we created a Zoom room, which uh, is a dedicated Zoom environment um, for that location. And it's all operated on an iPad and it's got a widescreen camera that takes in um, a very long conference table and you can see everybody sitting at the conference table with that camera uh, and we intend to use that for mediations or witnesses testifying remotely in either depositions or arbitrations or a trial um, and so uh, uh, that that I think ad adopting um, that capability to have a wired conference room um, many big firms already have that I think it's been less common uh, in smaller firms and sole practitioners, um, but but I think that is going to become much more common. Um, and then I just think, you know, people investing in a better quality camera, a, an external microphone, you know, little things, not not expensive fixes. Right. Um, I, I think this Snowball microphone was what, like twenty five bucks or something. I forget. Okay. It's not a lot of money, and and things that improve the quality of your presentation when you're doing something by video. Um, you know, the, the, these things are going to become um, uh, much more common, if not ubiquitous. And then um, just, just all of the things that would improve the ability to simulate the courtroom environment uh, and standing desk might be part of that. Um, and then finally, uh, as it stands there, we've, I mentioned there's ways to present documents and share documents and things like that, but it's not seamless. Um, it's still fairly awkward. So the other thing that I'm going to be looking for um, is apps or uh, technology that will allow a more seamless case presentation, the ability to, to more quickly call up documents and graphics via Zoom and make it a little bit more uh, uh, user friendly in that regard um, and be able to, again, simulate more the experience of being able to just pass a, a document across the table to let somebody look at it. Um, well, if I could take one step back, I'm really curious sure. about your Zoom room. Now, you know, you we're talking about um, your second answer, if you will, that there were little fitnesses that we could do nice touches, you know, better camera, a mic. Um, now with a Zoom room, quite honestly, I don't think it would be that expensive because the way, now the 70, excuse me, the 72 inch monitor, I'm assuming that's either a TV or a computer monitor. TV. Yeah, and, and may ask uh, by whom? Uh, I, I'd have to go look at it. I think we ended up with a Samsung. Okay. And you can get, I mean, those, th that large of a screen for like less than a thousand bucks. It was much less than a thousand. And you know, an iPad, you know, that's anywhere between 600 to a thousand bucks. That's right. And then a camera is, was it a 4k? Was it a 1081? I believe, yes, I believe it was. And I, I think. Wait, forgive me, it was which one, the 4K or I the think 10? it was a 4K camera. Okay. We've gone through, so, so to be clear, we're, we've tested out a few different cameras. Right, right. Including an, an OWL. Okay. Um, it's, at a, it's on a conference table. Yeah. Um, and we ended up, for the purposes of the arbitration hearing we did, we did an undermount camera under the monitor. Okay. Facing the conference table. The, yep. the, the, the long, the, the um, not, not facing down that, the long way of the conference not table. Not the alley, but the width. Correct. Right. And uh, I believe that's a 4K camera. Okay. Um, 
and uh, I'm trying to remember, there was a unit that we needed to have the wireless, it's a wireless unit to run the, um, so the iPad is the controller, but I believe there is a unit that's behind the TV, which is like an, an Apple, an Apple TV, something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not an Apple TV. Okay. It's a, like, and again, I'm, you know, probably the least qualified person to describe what it is, but whatever that unit is, that was, I think the most expensive piece of it. Um, but the whole, the whole, to do the whole thing, I believe was less than, less than $3,000, including the installation might have been closer to 2,500 or something like that. It was not, it's not chump change, but it was not exorbitant. Right, because a, a TV mount is like in between like 40 and 80 bucks, I think, at yeah, most. It was not bad. And the Zoom Room, um, I believe is the, the subscription, I think is $40 a month to do that. Oh, wow, okay. That, that's, that's not bad at all. Plus you have your other account already. So yeah. was that part of the same account, your, your personal Zoom, or was it a separate account? It's a separate account. Okay, excellent. Well, I, I, know, I know I've learned a lot today, and I hope the listener did too. So can you tell us, where can we find you? Sure. Uh, so our website is www.rezlaw.com, R-E-Z-L-A-W.com. You're also welcome to email me. Um, my email address is my initials, D-A-L at rezlaw.com, like reslaw.com. Uh, and uh, I, I just filed a case that finally necessitated breaking down and joining Twitter. Never been on Twitter before. Um, so I have, I'm up to 13 followers, very excited about that. <laughs> One of them is my cousin. Uh, but uh, but uh, so it's at David Lowe underscore SF, like San Francisco. Excellent, excellent. Well, David, thank you again for joining us. And I'll be sure to pop a link to the uh, article, the ABA article that I found you at. And uh, again, I appreciate you being here and uh, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. I hope you enjoy yourself, learn something new, and we'll come back in about two Tuesdays for another episode. If you have any ideas about the presentation, questions about what we discussed today, or ideas about future episodes, please leave comments on the blog or email me directly at michaeldj at the Have a great day and happy Lori.